Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our children, all of our staff, pastors, and all those who set up for church today. We're so glad that you're here with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, man, we are so honored. Thank you for coming today. And we want to invite you to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why. We know that when you go to a new place, maybe it's a new restaurant, a new place, a new store, you don't always get the right experience on the first experience. And so we want to invite you to come back at least three times, check it out, and see if this place is your spiritual family. We hope that it is. Also want to welcome all those watching on Facebook Live. So happy that you're with us today. We're honored that you're watching in digital land. And if you have your phones, go ahead and check in. Let everybody know you're here. You can check in on Facebook. We have a lot of our families that do that, and it's been great conversations started. They're like, you go to Rise? Well, I do too. Let's go together. And y'all get Denny's after lunch, you know, for dinners or whatever. So make sure you grab that. We're going to be in uh, the book of Samuel today. And uh, Samuel's in the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to be talking about fear uh, of rejection today, fear of rejection. And uh, what I've noticed is that, man, most of the, the reason we're even having a series called Scared to Death, where we've been talking about fear, is because most of us struggle. If you were to go back and find the genesis of a bad decision or a place where maybe you have a regret, it always has the root of fear in it, doesn't it? And so we want to look at that, kind of go back and see what does God have to say about fear. And last week we talked about Jesus saying, fear not was not that you don't ever have fear. It was that you don't allow fear to become a controlling factor in your life. We don't make it a we don't make it any more than a feeling. It could start out as a feeling, but when it moves to a spirit of fear, in Timothy it says God's not given us a spirit of fear. That we don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. And so we talked about that last week. I highly encourage you to go check it out in our podcast. But we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter number 13. I want to give you some context real quick, because a lot of times, if you've ever been to a church, they don't give you the context of what they're doing. They just start reading the scripture. Here's kind of what's happening. The first five books of the Bible are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's what they call the Pentateuch, or the first of uh, the Torahs, the first five books in the, New, in the Old Testament. And it kind of uh, gives a creation account and different things. But really, after that story, it starts to get into a series of time where it gives really the history of the children of Israel coming out of slavery. And so if you remember, you've, most of you all seen the movie with Charlton Heston. He walked up to the thing and he, Pharaoh and said, let my people what? Right. Let my people. Yeah, so they go and they leave and they get through the desert and they get to the promised land. They get to an area where they now are starting to live with what they call judges or people who would actually kind of really judge between disputes and have issues. Those were kind of the leaders who was led through prophets. And there's a prophet named Samuel. That's what the book is written about. So there's a first Samuel. There's a second Samuel. It was originally one book. They separated it uh, because they wanted to make it easier to read. And that's what it does. But the first Samuel primarily have characters of Samuel, which is a prophet, uh, Saul, which was the first king of Israel, and then David, which was his successor in kind of Saul's court. And it tells a lot about really Saul's main mistakes. First Samuel is a lot about main mistakes, his rise to power. And in First Samuel chapter 13, you see Saul's first mishandling of something that he struggles with. And we're going to read it because it's going to be kind of the theme of our series today or our message today. And he says this, but Samuel said, what have you done? Now, what, the, what he's asking, what he's referencing is, is that Sam, Saul was supposed to wait for Samuel to come bless the sacrifice so that he could be blessed and all of his armies could be blessed. Well, Saul gets impatient. Now, you and I don't struggle with impatience nowadays, but this is an Old Testament issue. Uh, He gets impatient. He does it anyway, and then Samuel comes and confronts him about it, and this is why Saul said, he said, when I saw that the army, this is important, when I saw that the army had started to abandon, everybody say abandon, Yeah, they were going to leave me. They were going to reject me. When I saw I was about to be rejected and that you didn't come at the appointed time and that the Philistines had assembled at Michmash, that's when I did this. Like, I thought they were going to leave me. Therefore, I disobeyed you. 
And you can kind of see Saul's beginning nature of really being worried about rejection. He lives with the fear of rejection, which makes no sense because the Bible even tells us that Saul was good looking. It tells us Saul was tall. It tells us Saul, he had all the character traits that you and I would want. That he was, and, then, and then not only that, God anointed him and picked him to be the first king of Israel. And so we see in, in verse thir- chapter 13 and 14, and then it comes to chapter 15, where um, Samuel tells Saul to go and destroy this uh, army called the Amalekites. And what he says, he says, I want you to go. I want you to take them all out, leave nothing behind. Make sure everybody's dead. Make sure all the buildings are destroyed. Make sure there's nothing left. Don't bring anything back. And then Saul, of course doesn't do that. And this is what happens. We kind of read kind of his conversation with Samuel after he confronts him. And he says this, he says, then the Lord said to Samuel, this is after he disobeyed the Lord. It says, I'm sorry that I had ever made Saul king. I want y'all to feel that. That God, God forbid you and I ever get to a point where the Lord looks onto our life and say, I'm sorry I ever blessed them. He says, I'm sorry I ever, I'm, I'm, I regret I ever made Saul king. He has not been loyal to me. He's refused to obey my commandments. So then, so we find out, okay, Saul re- refuses to be loyal. He doesn't obey. He disobeys. Why does he do that? He says, when Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully and said, may the Lord bless you. He said, I've carried out the Lord's command. So Saul tells Samuel, I did everything you asked me to do. And then I like Samuel's response. He's like, what are you talking about? Why, wh- then why do I hear all the cattle and the sheep and the goats? I thought I told you to destroy everything. He said, why can I hear that? And he goes on to say, and Saul kind of talks about it a little bit, he goes on to the next verse. And he says, then Samuel said to Saul, stop, listen to what the Lord had told me last night. And Saul goes, okay, well, what did God say? I like this is important. He goes on to the next verse. He says, he says, and Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, this is God speaking through Samuel to Saul. He said, although you think little of yourself, look what I did for you. Are you not the leader of Israel? Did I not make you the king? He said, did I not do that? And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they're all dead. I told you to get rid of them. I told you to completely destroy them. And this is what you did. Why haven't you obeyed? You disobeyed. He said, why did you rush to plunder what and what, do what is evil in the Lord's sight? And this is his response. He says, but I did obey. This is like funny because it's like, we ever caught your kid in a lie? And you're like, why did you go touch the cookie? And they're like, I didn't, Dad. And you're like, yes, you did. I can see the chocolate on your hand. I know you ate the cookie. And he's like, but I didn't, right? He's like, I I did obey the Lord. And he says, I carried out the mission you gave me. I brought back the king, but I destroyed everyone else. I get, I kind of did what you asked me to do. And he says, then my troops, he goes, well, it's not me. Then it's my troops, right? It's not me. It's the, my brothers, they were around me. It's like my friends. It's not me. I didn't make the decision. He says, brought the best of the sheep, cattle, goats, and plunder, sacrifice to the God of Gilgal. And so it goes on uh, and, and where Samuel has to kind of walk through with Saul. Like, okay, you're not getting it. Let me prove to you again. And then it picks up at the end where Saul kind of says, then Saul admitted to Sam. He finally gets to, so I have to show you multiple times and prove to you where you're wrong. All right, Saul, come on. Like, here you go. And Saul finally admits. He says, all right, I've sinned. I've disobeyed your instructions from the Lord's commandment. And here's why. This is important for all of us. This is where we're going to end. This is why he did it. He said, this is why. For I was afraid. So I was afraid. I wasn't afraid of you, God. I was afraid of who? The people. I was afraid. Other, other translations say I was afraid of their rejection. I was afraid they were going to walk away. I was afraid they were going to abandon me. Saul gave up his purpose 
because he was afraid of being rejected. That's why he gave up his purpose. That's why he walked away from God. That's why he lost everything that he had. And if you're taking notes today, then the title of my message with that as our backdrop is the fear of rejection, the fear of rejection. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, today, Lord. You are about to teach us something about our souls. And as our soul goes, everything else goes. And I pray that today, Lord, you would bless us, that you would keep us, that you would show us what we need for this message today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Um, I read a story the other day about uh, a young couple that was about to get married and uh, the, the, they were really, really nervous. It was getting close to their wedding time. And they were getting really nervous. They were scared. They were starting to kind of fight that little, the, the butterflies in their stomach about their, you know, about getting married. And so the, uh, it was about a week before the, the wedding, the, the, the man who was going to get married goes to his dad and said, Dad, I'm nervous. I feel like my wife's not going to like me. She's going to reject me after we get married. And he goes, why? He goes, well, I have really stinky feet. He goes, like, it's really, really stinky. And I don't think she's going to like that. She doesn't know anything about it right now. We're not married yet. So, like, I just don't know what am I going to do and he says all right son here's what you do before you go to bed you wash your feet and then you put on really thick socks and then when you wake up she'll never know he's like all right dad that sounds like a good idea and so the girl goes to her her mom and she says hey look mom i'm nervous i feel like she's he's not gonna like me as soon as we get married i think he's gonna reject me and she goes well why 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 why, honey why would you think that and she goes well i have really really terrible breath in the morning and uh, i'm nervous that as soon as he smells it as soon as i say something to him he's not gonna like me he's gonna reject me and she goes well listen this is what you do every morning you wake up before he gets up you brush your teeth you do some mouthwash you do some floss then you get back into bed really really quietly that when you wake up you, he will smell only flowers and rainbows. And she's like, that's awesome. That sounds good. So they get married. And uh, for about six months, it goes well. Everything's going right. And then all of a sudden, this moment happened. I'm going to read it for you. It said, one morning, the husband wakes up with the start, uh, with the start to find out one of his socks had come off. And he's freaking out. Fearful of the consequences, he frantically searches the bed. This, of course, wakes up his new bride. And without thinking, she screams out, what on earth? are you doing? Because she was afraid. She looked at him. What are you doing? And he says, oh my. And he said, uh, you must have swallowed my sock. <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home. Just bust out laughing. I mean, we all struggle with like this idea of rejection, don't we? Like, don't you struggle with this? Don't we struggle? Y'all remember like back in grade school when they lined you up against the fence and they played this demonic game called kickball. And what they did was they said, all right, um, you're going to be the captain, and you're going to be the captain. Everybody else stand against the fence, and you pick your teams. And I don't know about you. Maybe you were the most sporty. Maybe you were the most liked. Maybe you were the loved. Maybe you were the captain of the football team. You were the, the cheerleading captain. Maybe everybody liked you, but that was not me. I was never picked first. I was always picked last. It's kind of chubby. Wasn't the most athletic, wasn't the most sporty. So when I leaned up against the fence, nobody wanted to pick me. And so I got picked last, which made me feel rejected like no one wanted me. And that was pretty much the story of my life through middle school and high school. Anybody else? How about guys when you went to ask the girl out for a date, right? You walked up and you're like, what's up, girl? You're welcome. Listen, baby, you, me, movies, Friday night. And she was like, nah. <laughs> Wash my hair, right? 
dating, you know, you get used to being rejected as God. Come on, homie, I'll just walk, you just, you, it was like professional. Can we be honest, when you're young, it, dating is professional rejection management for most people, right? It's like, I got to figure this out. Some of you in here got passed over a promotion. You were set up for it. Come on, you were supposed to be the one picked. Somebody was supposed to pick you. You came early, you stayed late, you did all the work, and then the dude in the cubicle next to you got the corner office. Come on, somebody, like anybody else. Like, I know that don't, maybe that happens in other churches. That does happen. Or, 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 or we, we, we don't, this is the worst, isn't this the worst? Come on, like, isn't this the worst? You're flipping through Facebook. Maybe it's just me, okay. You're flipping through Facebook, and then all of a sudden you see, right, right, you see the picture, the selfie of the, your friend, and then behind them is all of your other friends, and they're at a party, and they're having a good time, hashtag bless life, and you up in your PJs with a bucket of fried chicken and Ben and Jerry's wondering how come nobody like you. Just me? We all struggle with rejection, and it's important because, honestly, rejection is a powerful, powerful thing in most of our lives. I read this statistic. It said the Surgeon General in the U.S. reported stating the rejection, rejection, everybody say rejection. Rejection was a greater risk for adolescent violence than drugs, poverty, or gang membership. That young people, if they don't feel accepted, that more than most things in the world, external forces will cause them to be violent. That God even sees it as a big deal because you and I, rejection's a big deal because it's not a part of God's divine design. You need to know this. You're not an accident. Everybody say this when they say, I am not an accident. Okay, I'm just telling you, you didn't come out of nowhere. You're not a random chance. God designed you. You were designed by the divine. Okay, you have a divine design. You need to get that in your spirit. God designed you to be in community. I'll prove it to you how this way. In, first, in Genesis chapter 1, this is what he, God's creating things. He says, then God said, let us, ever say us. Come on, that's plural. Let us make man. They're seeing the community, the triune God that we have. Make man in our, ever say our. That's you. Come on, we're talking about a community, plural, human. God is, you, you have God, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they make, God, they make man after our likeness. So God is in community, and God is community, and if he made us after him, we should be in community, period. And you'd be like, well, that's just not my personality. I'm not talking about personalities. It's not Enneagram numbers. This is not like, what does Tony Robbins think about your disc profile? Like, it doesn't, this is not a personality thing. This is a human thing. That you and I were called to be in community. Our best life is on the other side of community. And when we don't feel accepted, we can't feel community. And therefore, the byproduct of that is rejection. Have you ever noticed that even the... has anybody been to a sporting event, a public sporting event recently, where you went to a stadium or, you know, a big place where, you know, it's fairly big, maybe a high school football game, or, you know, you're at the, you know, you went to a baseball game, or maybe you went to a Spurs game. Raise your hand if you've ever been to a major league sporting event. Come on, like, raise your hand. All right, most people have. And what's funny about that, have you ever noticed that you and I, why do we do that? I mean, the tickets alone, right, are like $1,000 a piece to get something halfway decent. 
And then you, you, you pay for parking, which is about $72.50, right? And then you go to sit in chairs that are way too small against people that you don't really like, who smell kind of funny, who drink too much and say weird things, and they don't act like you, and you would never hang out with them in the first place. And then you go buy a hot dog. That's $17.50. And then if you want a drink, the difference is there's only two sizes, right? There's small and then super gulp. And the difference in price is 50 cents. You might as well super gulp it. And then you sit down, and when they score a goal, or they get a touchdown, or the little ball goes into the little hoop, and they win the game, you and I jump up, and we, we hug, and we chest bump, and we scream, and we yell, and we just jump with each other. We hold hands, and we do the wave. You want to know why you do that? Because we like community. You're accessing the divine design that God put inside of you. We say things like, we won when they win. You didn't win, they won. Right? right? You didn't have no, you had none. No, pastor, I prayed. And I put my hat sideways. And I'm telling you, I didn't wear my, you know, I wore this shirt for three days. And every time I wear a shirt for three days, they win. Like, I love you, but you're wrong. And so, so we do that because we want to be in community. And, and the, the heartbreaking thing is the danger in all of our lives when it comes to rejection is that if we're not careful, you could miss out on your purpose. Honestly, the danger of living in a fear of rejection is missing out on your purpose. Saul's story, Saul's story is a story of heartbreak. Uh, Saul didn't, did you, Saul didn't have to, like there's, there's God's perfect will. And then there's God's permissive will. And, and I just kind of think, what Saul's the story of what if, what could be. Who's to say God didn't put Saul there to be the king of Israel, the only king of it, the greatest king of it. And you and I read Saul's story now like, a, like an absolute sob story. It's a terrible story. It's a man who had it all worked out and came crashing down to his death. Who's to say it couldn't have been better? You have to, it begs the question, why did Saul do that? Well, he got caught in the cycle of fear of rejection. I'll prove it to you. This is typically what happens. You and I, we live in a fear of rejection, which means we look for acceptance from everyone else other than God. That inevitably leads you to disobedience. Have you ever noticed that? When you don't fear God enough, you lead, it leads yourself to disobedience. You wind up being disobedient. You don't do what God asks you to do. And eventually, when you don't do what God asks you to do, you lose out on your purpose. That's Saul's story in a nutshell. You're, you're welcome. Saul didn't fear God. He feared man, which made him disobey God, which made him miss out on his purpose. Who's to say what Saul could have been? And for some of us, that's our story. You're missing out on your purpose right now. And just because God's allowed it, it's been per his will has been permissive in your life. You think that was God's plan for your life. That's not God's plan. God has God wants you to succeed. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to reach your purpose and your potential. But you can't do that if you have the prop mishandlings of fear in your life. If you feel like you're going to be rejected and you live your life from the fear of man more than you have a fear of God, you're never going to reach your God-given purpose. That's the story of Saul. That's the story of Saul. It's, it's a sad story. So I thought, since we're talking about fear, and it's October, and everybody's scared, I thought I'd do something a little different. Because I'm like, a little different, if you haven't figured that out already. A guest in here, they're like, man, I don't know about this guy. Is he even saved? Like, you know. Um, 
I'm going to teach you today how to live in a f- with fear of rejection. Yeah. Normally, I tell you the good things. I'm going to highlight the villain today. I'm going to let you know how to miss your purpose. That's a good soundbite for a pastor, isn't it? Tweet that. <laughs> today, how to miss out on your purpose, how to live with a fear of rejection. We're going to look at Saul's story. The first thing is, if you want to live in a fear of rejection and miss out on your purpose, have negative self-talk. Think negatively about yourself. Talk negatively about yourself. Feel negatively about yourself. Look at Saul's story. This is so funny. This is what he says. This is, this is a prequel. This is a pattern in Saul's life. Samuel says to Saul, he says, although you, I don't think of you like this. God doesn't think of you like this. You think of you like this. You think so little of yourself. Who made you the king? I think it's funny. Like, why do you think of yourself like that? Why do you, Saul, why do you constantly put yourself down? This is a pattern. In chapter 9, I'll give it to you. We didn't even read this. This is for further study if you want to go back. When Samuel, when Samuel is about to anoint Saul as the king, this is where it is. Samuel walks up. God picks Saul. He says, you're the man for the job. Samuel says this, and here I'm here to tell you and your family, you're the focus of all of Israel's hopes. Now, how many of y'all know that'd be like nerve-wracking? You'd be like, you... Like you, you, right there. You, you are the hope of all the world. Congratulations. And this is what Saul says, right? This is what Saul says. He says this, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin. We're the smallest tribe in all of Israel. We're not even important. Why would you pick me? Why? And then he goes on. He goes, then what's worse? My family is the least important of the least important. You ever met somebody like that? Like when you walk up and you talk to them, they think so negatively about themselves. Even when they're pro, you know, proclaimed, even when they're talked nice about, they, they like talk them. They talk the person who gave them a compliment out of their compliment. Yeah. Yeah. You look good today. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, this whole thing. I just got it on sale. And I just, why don't you just say thank you? Yeah. It's a pet peeve of mine. I hear it all the time. It's like false, it's false humility. Because what you're doing, I'm not anything, you know. And I like I figured you out. Just say thank you. Just say thank you. And that's what Saul is doing. He's thinking negatively about this pattern. There's a pattern of just like, what's wrong with you? Like every time somebody does something nice for you and says something nice about you, you have negative thoughts. And you will never reach your purpose with negative thoughts. You just won't. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, Pastor, you just must have like the confidence of the world. When you walk up on the platform, it just comes out. And I said, you're absolutely right. <laughs> now you're absolutely, I'll walk up on this platform. Get out of the way. <laughs> I struggle with the fear of rejection every time I walk on this platform. Let me give you some insight to my thoughts when I walk up here. Man, I hope they like the message today. I worked really hard on it. And, and why are those seats empty back there? Was it something I said? Do they like me still? Oh man, I hope my kids are behaving back there with all of our Rise Kids volunteers. I wonder if they think I'm a good parent. Oh man, why did they laugh at that joke more? Am I not funny to them? All right, all right, I need to wrap up this story. You're starting to ramble, Aaron. You're starting to ramble. Oh, why did you say that? Why did you say that? It doesn't make you sound smart. At all. Wait, wait. Why did that guy get up and leave? Was it, was it something I said? Is, is it me? All right, stop playing with your belt, Aaron. Stop touching your hair. Oh, man, I, I hope they like me. I, I just, I don't like to be rejected. 
And when you live with a fear of rejection, you start to fear man more than you fear God. We all do it. We all do it. If you don't think positive and you always think negative, you'll never reach your purpose. You'll never do it. So my question to you is, what do you say about yourself? How do you think about yourself? What do you tell your wife about yourself? What do you tell your husband about yourself? How do you say? You need to ask someone what you say regularly about yourself. Number two is this. If we're talking about how to live with the spirit of rejection, fear of rejection, number two is this. Be arrogant and prideful. Be arrogant and prideful. Look at Samuel when he said this. This is important. He says this. He says, but I did obey the Lord. He says, I did. I did. Samuel shows him twice where he showed it to him. You did wrong, Saul. We told you to do something. You didn't do it. You're wrong. I did. Do you see it? Arrogance. It's his rightness that think he believes that in his rightness, no one will reject him. In our rightness, we think no one's going to reject. It's a lie. Because you know this. Some of you are the rightest people in the world, and you still get rejected. In fact, that's some of the reason why you do get rejected, because you always write. It's a lie. The other thing he struggled with was pride. It's the self-promotion. It says, let me show you what I did. And self-promotion always leads you. Listen, it always leads you to crave acceptance from the wrong sources. Samuel does this. He does this. This is interesting. So Samuel comes up. He says, you know what? He walks up to Saul after Saul was told to destroy the Amalekites. He says, when Samuel found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. And he says this. This is what Saul says. I, everybody say I. I, I, he doesn't mention his troops. He doesn't mention his leaders. He doesn't mention his generals. He doesn't mention anybody. He says, I have carried out the Lord's command, even though that was a lie. He said, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, Maury Povich over there. I read the lie that that we found out that was a lie. Samuel's standing there like, you lying. And he says, I have carried out. Look what I have done. It's like the first social media post ever. This is how Facebook got started. It's always rooted in a, a seed of pride. And my concern, now listen, I'm not saying social media is bad. If you've been here for any longer than a week, I, I've talked about, I love, we have social media, church has social media. Social media is a tool. But any tool in the wrong hands, used the wrong way, in the wrong season, can be hurtful, could be unhelpful, could even be evil. So it, it's just is how you use it is the determining factor. And I'm concerned with our generation that's coming up. I'm concerned with your generation, whatever it is. I'm concerned with mankind and their use of social media to self-promote themselves. Because you and I look like, it's like, well, that's the point of social media, right? Like we're supposed to put ourselves out there. Yes, but listen, there's a difference between putting something out there and saying, I celebrate this and putting something out there and saying, I celebrate me. Do you like me? In fact, hello, Facebook, what is their symbol in general? Everybody do it. Put your right hand up. Come on, right hand up. Right hand up. Come on, just humor me. Give me a thumbs up. Give me a thumbs up. And that's what, all right, all right, all right. That's what we do in digital land. You post a picture, and then what you do? Did they like it? Did they give me a heart? Did they share it? How many times is my views of my video? Come on, don't say you don't do that. 
And when you look to it and you're prideful and arrogant and inside of your pride, you're looking to self-promote. I'm concerned with our self-promotion of ourselves. I'm concerned with it. I'm concerned with my self-promotion. I'm concerned with every time I take a selfie with with a celebrity. Why did I have to do that? Why did I have to find out how many likes I got? Come on. Can we be honest? And when you do that, it leads you to look for acceptance from the wrong places. But, hey, you're trying to live out of fear of rejection, right? Third way to do it is this. This is the third way to do it. Which, by the way, let me just go back to step two. If you have to always be right, there's a problem. When is the last time someone brought something to you and you said, man, you're right? Even when you knew you were right and they were wrong. Why do you have to be right? Think about it. Do you have to be right? Do you? Do you? Do you? Do you? Third one is this, to live with a fear of rejection is have toxic relationships. Have toxic relationships. You surround yourself with the most unhealthy people, you're going to live with the fear of rejection easily. Saul does this when he has, uh, when Samuel confronts him, he says, this is my troops. They brought in the best of the sheep and they, wasn't me, it was my troops. And let's just say that was true. Isn't it true that when you live around and you move around and put unhealthy, toxic people around you, you know what they love to do? They like to make sure you fear them more than you fear God. And they say it's, it's subtle and it's manipulative and it's, I'm telling you, they're lies because they're, they're tools of the enemy because they're lies. I'm telling it's, it's it's subtle. Here's what it sounds like. I'm going to give you some examples. This is just how the enemy works. He uses your family. He uses your friends. He wants you to be afraid of them accepting you more than God accepting you. His, more, they want you to follow them more than you follow God. Here's, here's, how, here's how it sounds. Here's how this sounds with unhealthy, toxic people. If you don't go to our church, Aaron... We're not going to be family anymore. Don't follow God. You follow us. If, if you don't need to listen to your wife with that situation, listen to your, your friends. Listen to your family. Listen to your buddies. Don't follow your, your husband. He's crazy. He's an idiot. Listen to your girls. Listen to you. Come on. It's subtle. It's subtle. Don't fear God. Fear us. Because if you don't do what we think, we're not friends. Don't tie that. Why would you tie to that church? They, God doesn't. God, why would you? You're the one who made it. You earned it. Why would you ever give? Right. Yeah. It, it's subtle. But when you surround yourself with toxic people, they like you fearing them because it hurts you and it never hurts them. It hurts you and helps them, actually. When you have the wrong, unhealthy people around you, it's easy to live with the fear of rejection. Saul had bad people around him, even when he was anointed king. 1 Samuel chapter 10 gives us insight to the people that Saul surrounded himself with when he was anointed king. Verse 24 says, And Samuel said to all the people, This is the man the Lord God has chosen. He goes, Now entering your king, standing six foot four inches, 225 pounds. He's good looking. Anointed by God. Saul! And this was their response. I love this. Go to the next verse. He says, but then there were some scoundrels. We need to bring scoundrels back. I like that word. Everybody say scoundrels. That, has, that doesn't mean anything. I just like making y'all say stuff. Scoundrels who complained, who is who's Saul? 
how can this man save us? Toxic people. Listen, if you, have you ever noticed that when you do something good, there's always somebody to rag on you? Always somebody got something to say. I was walking with my son. I'm ending, wrap it up with this. I was walking with my son, and uh, he's my fourth born Judah. I have five boys. Pray for me. God help us. And, uh, but Judah, he's five. And at night, I'm closing with this. At night, he, he loves to come up and say, Dad, can we go frog hunting? He loves to frog hunt. And uh, I'm like, sure. None of my boys have ever asked me to do that. He's the one. He loves frogs. Loves to be outside. He's the quintessential boy, you know. And uh, he goes, let's go frog hunting, Dad. I'm like, all right, let's go frog hunting. So we walk around our neighborhood, catch frogs. And uh, when you walk down a street in our neighborhood, um, you know, you walk in front of the garage doors and regular doors. But then when you turn a corner, you walk down the sides of houses, and inevitably you walk down the houses that have fences, and behind the fences there are dogs. And what do dogs do when people walk by fences that they don't know? They what? They they bark. They bark. Ruff, ruff. Could be a little dog. Ruff, ruff. They bark. And my son asked me the other day, he says, Dad, Dad, why do those dogs bark? Don't, I'm a nice person. I'm not a bad guy. Why do they bark? I said, that's a good, that's a good question, son. I said, well, you know why they really bark? Is we're going somewhere and they're not. We're going somewhere and they're not. When you are going somewhere and toxic people are around you, they are the first ones to bark. And the danger is that if you have too many dogs that are around you and you bark when you go somewhere and they just just start barking, the reason they're barking, right, is because you're going somewhere and they're not. You're trying to do well and they're not. And the temptation in that moment is to go and see what they're barking about. And have you ever noticed that when you go and try to pet a barking dog, it don't work out good for you? You don't chase the barking dogs. And just so you know, there will always be dogs barking every time you're walking someplace, every time you're going to your purpose. Don't go back and try to figure it out and try to help them out. And hey, what are you doing? Because you and I are in here with wounds of the people you and the dogs that you were barking at you that you go went and tried to help. Yes? You're going somewhere, and they're not. That's why they're barking. And if they're toxic people, you better get away from them. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. So, look, I was being silly today. How to live in a fear of rejection. But the truth is, is the best way to live with this truth of acceptance is to we fear God more than we fear man. That's the lesson of Saul's story, is the way you get over rejection is you fear God more than you fear man. It causes you to obey, and that eventually leads you to your purpose. We are called to fear God more than we fear man. So with our negative thoughts, here's what we do. We don't have negative thoughts. We have positive thoughts. Come on, y'all. Deep thoughts with Pastor Aaron today. Don't think negatively. Think positively about yourself. Say positive things about yourself. When someone gives you a compliment, say thank you. Don't put yourself down. Number two is this, is that we don't have pride and arrogance. We have godly humility, which means we accept this grace and the strength that God gave us, but we can be wrong. 
shake your head. We can be wrong. It's okay. They, you're not being right so they can accept you. We don't need to be arrogant. We can have godly humility. And we don't need to announce ourselves. We don't need to announce ourselves. God lifts up the humble. He opposes the proud. He lifts you up. Stop lifting yourself up. God can't lift up those he wants. They, they lift themselves up. And then three is, is toxic relationships. Don't have toxic relationships. Have godly relationships. Have godly ones. People who surround you, support you, help you obey God and not them. Help you get to your purpose and, and not their purpose. Come on. God has a plan for you, and you can only do it with healthy relationships. The summary of today is this. If you wanted to take one note, we live from acceptance, not for it. We live from acceptance, not for it. You are already accepted. You are already loved. God already loves you. You're already in the family. You don't need to fight for it and live for it and try to get it and try to grab it and try to manipulate for it. You already have it. You're already loved. You're already accepted. You're already in the family. Isn't that good? That's just good to know. So then I don't have to live with the fear of rejection because you're already accepted. You're already accepted. And that's my prayer for you today.